It has been said that John's gospel is like a body of water in which a child may wade and an elephant swim. In other words, simple and yet deep. John's gospel, at first at least, is simple, wonderfully simple images. Jesus loves us. Jesus relates to us. The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. Jesus calls us his friends. And yet this gospel is so deep at the exact same time. Jesus is the word that echoes throughout the entire cosmos. Resurrection occurs in this life and in the life to come. John's gospel is built in part by a series of images. These images at first are simple. Jesus wept. But one image is followed after another, a dizzying range of imagery, so much so that over time an unmistakable feeling of breadth and depth is created. The Episcopal and Anglican tradition cherishes John's gospel because of this imagery. Ours is a highly imaginative tradition from architecture such as this sacred place in which we worship to poetry and hymnody, even to fantasy literature such as C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia or better, J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter or even better, Philip Pullman's Lyra and Pan. This imagery is absolutely breathtaking. Imagery gives us the sense that this world is so mysterious and that this world that is so ordinary that we know like the back of our hand is only separated from the world to come by a very thin veil, a veil that has holes in it and through which, if we're lucky from time to time, we can peek. These images, though, are not merely romantic. Sometimes they're very practical, very useful. In the Greek language of Jesus' day, an idea was something through which one sees, something by which one beholds. A good idea, then, was something that opened our eyes to something that we'd never thought of before or seen I want to give you an example of one very useful idea. Several decades ago, the Reverend Bert Womack had a great idea. I don't know if it was his only great idea, but I know he at least had one. (laughs) Bert happens to be in the first row to your right. Bert had an idea that had to do with starting an Episcopal nonprofit in Metro Denver, anchored in downtown, that would do dynamic work with the homeless, with adults experiencing homelessness on our streets. The St. Francis Center was begun and did remarkable work and does remarkable work. And a few decade, couple decades later, Bert became, of course, the interim dean here at St. John's Cathedral. 
Well after that, a number of people in the parish not many years ago had another great idea. They wondered what would happen if we took a small portion, a tiny portion actually, of our parking lot across the street and used it in partnership with the St. Francis Center and devoted it to becoming an apartment complex that would house 50-something adults experiencing homelessness and literally move them immediately off the streets into a beautiful space. It was an idea. And it was a great idea once it was paired with the St. Francis Center. And now we have the St. Francis Apartments that opened at Cathedral Square earlier this year, bringing over 50 new neighbors to our grounds with whom we have a growing and, I pray over time, flourishing relationship. But those two ideas were followed by another, and that's how ideas, especially great ideas, work. Recently, a group called the Interfaith Alliance of Colorado, with whom we have a partnership through the Faith and Action Commission, The Interfaith Alliance took a look at it, interviewed a number of people, did a tour, and decided that that idea was actually a model. And they did some research. They, like us, know that Metro Denver has an affordable housing crisis. But what we also have is over 5,000 acres in Metro Denver that's held by churches, synagogues, and mosques, many of whom, unsurprisingly, are looking for creative ways to use that land in a way that fits with their values. So Interfaith has established what's called the Congregational Land Campaign, and dozens upon dozens of churches have expressed interest. One mosque has... And it all originated with that one single idea. It's a small step in light of this, this crisis, but it's an important one. And it's also a profound example of how ideas multiply, especially great ideas, just like, just like the loaves in John chapter 6. These images in John's gospel, however, have an even deeper dimension. And it's a dimension that's alluded to in our gospel reading. These very profound images orient us toward the future, orient us toward a very mysterious horizon, even toward that place that is beyond the realm of death. In a word, eternity. Eternity, I mean, what can one say? Eternity makes me think about what it feels like to step into a great river. One steps into a great river and feels immediately the current, of course, that appears at first to come from upriver, pushing us downriver. And as we feel that energy, that great power, and as we experience it for a few moments, it doesn't take long for the mind to realize that that current is not only pushing us, it's also pulling us. It's pulling us down river as that great river twists and turns into a horizon that the mind and the eye cannot 
even see yet. What if God, what if heaven is like that? And God's spirit is not only in the present moment or in the past or in the push, but God is above all in the pull, pulling us toward the future. I find this idea really comforting because it means that the weight of the world is not on our shoulders in the present moment. We have more time than we ever realize to get things right, even more than a lifetime. In another word, patience. John's gospel is like a body of water in which a child can wade and an elephant swim. May our parish, may this cathedral on St. John's Day be just like that. Simple and yet deep. Simple in the sense of clear about Jesus' unconditional love and justice. And yet deep, that is deeply aware that God is a mystery that the mind can never fully comprehend, much less control.